Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings. You've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com. And you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. This is VUC 614 for October 7th, 2016. Pixelmania, among other things. Soon we're going to have, later on, a cage match between Mr. Tim Panton and Mr. James Bodie, if Mr. Bodie shows up. Otherwise, it'll be an epic rap battle, but from one side only. Uh, other than that, we have a bunch of news to talk about, and uh, we let's start with the conversation that you fellows were having. Let me see if I can get my camera on. I'm having some internet problems, so my camera would be possibly here. There it is. Um, we were having a discussion about, Michael, uh, why don't you lay that out, because you started that with the people who are helping other people with their hardware in uh, well, your area? It rolls back a week, a week or more to when uh, security researcher Brian Krebs had his website taken out by what's being heralded as the biggest DDoS attack in the history of the world, um, which was in large measure based on IoT devices. Uh, it seems that the preponderance of the things that were aggregating their bandwidth uh, were in fact uh, like surveillance cameras and network video recorders and this sort of stuff. And the number I heard was 1.6 terabits per second of, of data was being thrown at Krebs' website. And uh, to the point where the host that had been really a stalwart in, in helping him in, uh, defend against prior attacks had to give up and he had to take the site down and, and come to other arrangements. It wasn't uh, the host... It wasn't the host, Michael. Apparently, Akamai, who I hate for reasons we won't go into now, uh, actually volunteered to help him out. So right, they they they, they did. He they were not being paid, but but it, it sort of. I mean, that, that whole story that turned out to be quite complicated in that he had a, a gentleman's agreement or you know a, a, a freebie from a company which Akamai then bought. And they right. inherited the freebie, in effect. Um, so, I mean, you could read it as all power to them for having supported them for as long as they did. But, you know, um, yeah. that, given that it was a you freebie. Know, it, you know, the, 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 barbarian, the barbarians were at the gates and they defended the gates a good long while at tremendous cost before they finally said, oh, by the way, we're not doing this. Anymore. But, but considering what Akamai charges, I don't I haven't seen their results sheets, so maybe they're not making any money, but they re, they require ridiculous amounts of money to work with them and they work with all the big companies so the fact that they couldn't take anymore is questionable to me but hey whatever it was free i mean I, free. I don't know whether uh, they couldn't take anymore or they couldn't find a manager who would justify taking right. as much right. it's, i think that would be 
So they um, <laughs> stop everything. Mr. Bodie and his lovely wife are with us because I can see he's in his car. They're in the Land Rover or whatever. And she's telling him, James, would you please, uh, can we forego this until you get home? <laughs> Hello, Sophie. Find out when uh, James will be home so we can figure out whether... Um, We've got headphones on, so we can't yeah. talk to Sophie. All right, James. Say hello yeah, to Sophie. So, so, yeah, um, Randy says hello, Sophie. Uh, Sophie says hello, Randy. Okay, great. Oh, and we're live as well. Yes, so, we're live. What are, we, what are we talking about? Mostly talking about you and the cage match that is going to take place when you get home. So when will that be? Um, that is going to be about 20 minutes, I'm afraid. Okay, that's perfect. So uh, I thought I'd pop up and just warn you. Great, but, uh, Sophie, you. Sophie's driving. And I wouldn't say cage Well, it's going... Going to be a cage match, and now you need to be quiet so we can get back to our topic. And if you have comments, of course, you can interject. <laughs> okay? And he lost. All right. And that's another thing. I right, back to Michael. So, in any event, the the, the this spurred some conversation. This this whole uh, DDoS thing amongst a, a few people around me. And one of the things that I came away from it thinking was uh, we really, it would be good if people had greater intellectual ownership of their networks. And then in, in the enterprise space, you see this, but in the residential space, you don't. And um, and that then sort of devolved as Andy and I were talking about. It, it would be, there are at least a few people in our neighborhood. Does, does Tim, Tim said something that was just not quite right. And, and you know. If he's not going to be able to participate, we should perhaps mute him. Well, he said, uh, Tim, Let's find out if Tim wanted to say something. I, I'm not not at all sure what I'm not quite right about actually. I heard, but I did hear your voice. But uh, go ahead, Michael. Anyway, anyway, the, there are there are some folks in our neighborhood who provide you know pay for play IT services to people who are non technical, and uh, I think that there's uh, what I found is in the U.S. we don't pay particularly enough attention to what are considered trades. You know, and Andy noted that plumbers make a heck of a lot of money, which is true. Um, uh, but that I think there there could be sort of this new trade of of helping people with geek squad kinds of things. Although the geek squad was sort of just a way for a retailer to reach out into that space and get paid for a service that they were in some measure having to provide anyway. Um, uh, this idea of taking ownership of the network and knowing that you know if you installed cameras, are, are the admin passwords changed? You know, are they are they suitably locked down? Are best practices being followed even if they've been established? You know, this, by the way, I didn't. I didn't chime in with this then because I was away from the microphone, but this this um, is completely similar to the experience I mentioned in various places about going into a store that had been there for a month and seeing on their cash register, you know, where you see welcome to such and such, welcome to this business or the date or hello. Uh, it was, you know, message line one, message line two. They'd been open for all this time. And I thought to myself, because I had worked with cash register vendor. And I know for a fact that these people would never deliver a cash register uh, and not have something programmed. It doesn't matter what, you know, welcome to the store, blah, 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 anything. You would never have left that. And nowadays, um, you know, apparently they did. I don't know whether they just took delivery directly from China or what happened, but somehow no one programmed it. And again, okay, that's business. It's a little bit different, but it's true that, um, and we got Johnny Diggs joining us. It's true that um, there is a need for a, some intermediate level where uh, people who just kind of know how to do the hardware, like almost every husband just knows just about enough, or wife for that matter, there's always one person in the couple who knows may, pretty much enough to reboot the router, to get the internet back, to do this and do that. So my question to, uh, to you, Tim, was going to be, uh, you know, coders aren't the only thing we need in this world. I think there's a great, uh, great, uh, 
um, need of people who know enough about some of the devices we're surrounded by. And of course, the OS is too. Um, and I, I wanted to get your take on that because you are a coder and I'm not. So, well, I am, but I'm horrible. So, so I, I think that's right. But I think that the change will only happen when there are real penalties for the manufacturer. I mean, what, what you're looking at is basically, in all of these cases, bad and sloppy design. It's not like we didn't, like the DVR manufacturers didn't know that this was a problem and didn't know that nobody will ever change the passwords. They knew it. And in fact, in many cases, they're quite difficult to update. And in, and in some of the instances of the things that were involved in the DDoS, the devices automatically reset the passwords. So if you update the OS, for example, then they go back to the 123 password. So it's not, it, it's not a... Um, I think it's unfair to blame the the owners, apart from the fact that they didn't buy the most expensive goods on the market. And and there's no guarantee there that that, that'll be any better. There is, however, some interesting signs of hope, Um, one of which is that uh, TalkTalk, our our local um, ISP here, has just been fined £400,000 for losing losing user data. And um, allegedly, the uh, sale of Yahoo to Verizon has been negotiated down by a billion because they got hacked. So there is now real financial penalties starting to kick in for being insecure as an organization. Now, that hasn't filtered down to IoT yet, but you can you can imagine a situation where your, your ISP will say, um, we'll restrict your upload if you have one of these fridges, you know, and, and, and uh, because it's it's a it, it's a hazard to our network. Um, so if we catch you with a, an XYZ fridge that's insecure, um, we'll, we'll cut your bandwidth and, you know, we'll limit it to the point where you can't damage the network. And so that, I could see that kind of thing happening and that then you get a pressure for the manufacturer to say well like we have a kite mark which says we're you know we're we meet these these tick mark criteria and then it comes back to the coders and they actually get given the time to do it I mean I was at a meetup last night with a bunch of security guys and basically they were all saying well it's really hard to get the time to do these things properly and and the the only way that happens is if it's on the management radar so you have to fix it at the management level first um, within the organization so that are selling these things They're that's my, my, my rant over. Hey, Mr. Diggs. Well, wait a minute. Before, see you. I want to get to Diggs because he may be time pressured. But before, I just want to clarify, Tim, that wasn't my question. <laughs> my question had to do with people who would know enough to fix that problem. But we'll get back to that later. But, so my, my argument is that it's not fixable locally. Okay. All right. Well, you could change the password and so on. Anyway, Diggs, let's see if we can hear you. So far, no. Still no. Keep working on that. <laughs> Keep working. Or is it me? No. I think nobody can hear him. Keep selecting that microphone. He's got a beard. Yeah, he's got a beard. But is no anybody order. hearing him? No, I'm not. No. Okay. No. So to, to uh, be. To, so to wait, wait, Tim, Tim, the point was that wouldn't it be nice to have a network of people? Uh, Diggs, you're going to be working on this. Well, as soon as you, as soon as we hear a sound from you, it's uh, it's on you. Um, the point was really that it would be nice to have people who knew enough about the hardware to at least go change the password and check it. And by the way, I literally. I was staying with, forget the literally, it comes later. I was staying in a place uh, all the month of August where they literally have password as their password for Wi-Fi. And usually when I go there, I would change it, but I can't because they have like 10 people in the same area who are depending (laughs) on it. And I mean, they're too lazy to put an actual password and tell the people. So there's that. Which which brings brings, uh, up the point that, that Michael made earlier, and that is that who's actually responsible for all? this uh, if you're putting stuff on your le- your local network do you carry some sort of level of responsibility even if you don't
don't know anything uh, technically? Or is it the manufacturers that uh, re really should should carry the responsibility? And, and the two things are, are diametrically opposite. And you really want them to meet in the middle so that, that there is some form of responsibility that people need to take themselves, but that the majority of it falls on the manufacturers. You end up with a position that's like driving. You, you have a, an offence of driving without due care and attention. Um, but on the other hand, it's illegal to manufacture a car that's fundamentally unsafe. Okay, but on the on the other hand, it's illegal to drive a car without, um, uh, in this country anyway, without a Ministry of, of Transport approved test certificate. Right, exactly. Um, so there, there is a, a level of responsibility on both parts. So One you is need a driving licence and a test certificate. So like both you and the car have to be... Of a suitable ready. quality, yes. Or what is deemed to be of a suitable quality. Right, so so uh, I, mean, I think we'll end up in that position that, you, that people will have to take some responsibility. But fundamentally, the devices, I mean, the Coming back to Randy's point, the devices that we're talking about for this DDoS were, however good you were, they were unsecurable without basically wrapping the whole thing in a VPN. Wait a minute, let's get a little technical detail, uh, if you do know it, which is, okay, I was talking about the fact that everyone knows and you can easily Google the passwords of routers, for example. But um, you're talking security cameras. I'm not sure, I'm not that familiar, but I know that when we've used that tool that Near and company uses to go out the web and look at insecure stuff, there are security cameras are one of the biggest offenders of this. Is there some reason? reason why you can't go into the local admin and i mean couldn't you have the guy who knows this stuff in your area you, when you've got this stuff when you've bought this stuff can't someone um change the things that aren't securable or is there some way that they were breaking in and this is my question were they breaking in in some way that didn't involve changing the password some of them they were yes some of them were coming in through back doors that the manufacturer had left in for, for maintenance purposes so there was one of them where you could send a particular packet and when you sent that packet it would open a port and accept a telnet request without a password so it All didn't right, matter so how, nothing, how, how carefully you changed your password nothing you could do yeah right I mean, that's not true for all of them. And yes, you should try. But but it, it, in the end, these particular devices were so badly constructed um, that you could, you, you however hard you tried, except if you put them on an isolated network with, you know, basically full ingress control, then you couldn't do it. Let you me ask you a question. And you, this is just a total opinion, blue sky thing. But um, couldn't you detect the fact that the device is being abused and go, well, wait a minute, this is ab this is completely anormal traffic. Um let's shut down or something well maybe not shut down i don't know yeah, maybe so, not so, shut down so because that, that's um i mean two things one of which is one of the joys of webcams is that yes they generate a lot of pics a lot of bits like true. you know that's what they do yeah true. um so it's a bit harder to detect but if you look at what google are doing um they are they're heading in that direction internally so for their own corporate network they take the assumption that the, co the corporate network has already compromised and that uh, that you should be looking for um abusive behavior on the ingress into each machine right um and 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 as you say abnormal patterns and it's it, it i mean it's depressingly like virus detection mm-hmm Mm -hmm. And um, you struck something in my head with Google, but now I forgot what I was going to say. Okay, Diggs never got his audio working, so he either gave up or is working on that. And hopefully, he is. Hopefully, he'll he'll drop back. But yeah. James, oh, he had good video, which is annoying that he didn't have any audio at all. Yeah, I'm guessing the wrong microphone, or he right. may have the problem that I always have, which is that for now and then I have to reboot my Mac because Chrome loses track of where the audio device is. And you have to reboot for that. I've never. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have never had that problem. About one, I think it's something like, you know, when you get through 100 video 
circles um, without a reboot, then then Chrome loses the. It, it somehow sort of feels like it's associated with closing the clamshell as well. I have never had that. For some I, I have it on a pretty regular basis. I mean, you know, once every couple of weeks. Interesting. Um, and uh, speaking of all that, again, lost. I had another comment I was going to make, but so we were waiting on James. Uh, Andy's here. Michael had to leave. There's some other news. We want to talk later about the Pixel and the Google offerings, which are iPhone pricing almost. And of course, yeah, no, I mean that, that, that's that's amusing as well. But but so I mean I think I think you're right that there this sort of guild of people who who take some responsibility is interesting. But you know when one has to get to the point where the thing is is of is of decent quality before that kick starts being applicable. Well, the backdoor thing is worrying for sure. Right. Uh, and, 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 if they're going to do it that way, there's almost nothing you can do except have because that would be beyond the average person who knows a little about hardware and is doing this for a couple of bucks. That would be someone who knows the firmware inside. Now, you know, that would be somebody like Dave Todd or you or somebody else who's not that you've done this that I know of, but you could. Uh, someone who's actually analyzed all the firmware and knows where all the holes are. And that's not going to be somebody in your neighborhood, probably. Well, and, and even then, it's not obvious that the tools to fix it are available. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, you can do, you can probably do stuff at the but the router in. I mean, one of the things you can do is make the router smarter. But then you're assuming that, you know, this is the other co- topic that cropped up last night, which is actually really, really scary, but also interesting, that these one of these compromised devices on your LAN, okay, it can DDoS Brian Krebs, and that's interesting, but it also completely subverts the fact that you've got a router. Like, all of the protection you thought the router was giving you, you've now got like a spy in the cab. You've got a, um, you know, a, a, a compromised device inside the firewall. Yeah. And, and, and even more fun, um, those most domestic routers, a device within the firewall can say, hey, open these ports for me, will you? Yeah, there's, there's no protection at all from the inside. Well, well n- not only is there no protection, but within, from within inside, you can tell the router to drop what little protection there used to be. Right. Yeah. Now, how, how does uh, IPv6... Ch- uh, Factor into this because that's always going to be the question. Does that does it matter? I mean, or is it? Uh, oh dear! I mean, is, um, is, is IPv6 something that can I'm be exploited? So popular with 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 our friends. Um, no, just this answer. Here's a simple formulation of the question, which is: Is it? Is there more exploitation of of uh, version four or v, version six, in your opinion? Oh, so v4 is easier to exploit it. Well, huh. so it depends on how you deploy v6. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of the problems with v6. Ah, Mr. Diggs. Got audio from Diggs. Okay, Diggs. Diggs. What's what up? are you doing? Tell us where you are. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes. Excellent. Um, so I am in uh, Lisbon, Portugal, uh, at the Pixels Camp, uh, which is a pretty cool developer conference here. It's very well attended. Um, and I'm here with uh, Cisco and Trofo and uh, Meraki and uh, hosting a 48-hour hackathon and uh, lots of talk. Actually, really cool. at a really cool venue in, uh, in Lisbon called... Uh, the LX Factory. I don't know if you guys might know it, but uh, uh, kind of like this converted uh, old factory district that uh, has now been revitalized with lots of cool shops and um, some venues right under the bridge. Uh, actually, I'm looking at the bridge right over there. Uh, so anyway, that's where I am. So what, what are Meraki's APIs? Obviously, I know Tropo's APIs, and I kind of know some of Cisco Sparks, but, but what do Meraki do? Um, so... Uh, uh, Meraki's got, uh, uh, and, you're, and you're asking me, and by the way, my my least knowledgeable part of, of all this, because, uh, <laughs> uh, but there is a Meraki guy right behind me, so if we get 
get want to get too technical. But anyway, Meraki's got CMX um, uh, API that allows you to control and see um, uh, the heat maps of your um, your coverage for your Wi-Fi. Um, as a matter of fact, the guys that are directly behind me are they're actually hacking uh, a problem that they're having with. But you can um, uh, you can see uh, visually your um, like a heat map of your coverage. You can see who's connected to your um, to it, uh, and it gives you a map of where the devices are that are connected. Uh, if you, but it only works if you have at least three access points, so it can triangulate where things are. Um, it's pretty cool. Diggs, uh, I think this is breaking news because I'm hearing actually at least one female voice behind you. <laughs> uh, there are um, there are some some females here. Uh, uh, the there's a lot of uh, the uh, Cisco uh, Portugal team here, and um, and they have some some females. We even have have a really young female right there. <laughs> <laughs> So I was gonna try try to find someplace quieter, but apparently you guys can hear me. And I, I bought these new fancy headphones, so they seem to work pretty good. No, we're fine. We're fine. Cool. So Tim, I see you've got uh, something I recognize from the playa behind you. It's uh, this is the original uh, um, uh, prototype. So it's only got uh, twelve stars as opposed to two hundred and forty. But it's the thing I use to test the code on. So um, so it's it's there. It's not twinkling at the moment. I should get it back to twinkling. But for the moment, it's running. The, the test pattern. So, um, uh, and I'm also directly in front of me. Um, the across the there, Tim. You might recognize him from the fly as well. Austin is here. Yeah, excellent. Now I saw I saw on the on the live cast uh, on the competing channel that, um, that he was there, which is cool. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so we got him hired, and we're actually working on getting uh, another guy that was in our campus here hired uh, to join the uh, cool. uh, DevNet evangelism team. So what are you? What are people hacking? Have you got a sense of what what people are hacking on? Um, yeah, there's. Uh, it's interesting because uh, this is the first time we've done. Um, there's one of the other sponsors of the event is is Slack. So uh, usually when we go out and do events like this, we're kind of promoting Spark and uh, Tropo, which is you know. For those who don't know, Spark is Cisco's uh, collaboration tool that is uh, competitive lack. And so um, we were asked lightly to minimize our, our Spark promotion. So, uh, so uh, you know, I'm finding a lot of the teams are starting with Tropo and then um, and then getting interested in the in the Meraki APIs. And we're seeing um, teams doing interesting things with uh, you know getting text message notifications when uh, you're you're in a new Wi-Fi access point zone, or your you know your, um, your signal is getting degraded and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting. That, I mean, I've not experienced a uh, you know Wi-Fi access point tropo mashup before. No, indeed. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, we're seeing some interesting things. Yeah, actually, if, if you if you want, Austin's been just talking a lot more with the uh, with with the teams. I just kind of got here this morning, or got here this afternoon. Um, but he's been he's been here all day. 
So I can I can hand the headphones over to him, and he can probably explain a little bit more. Hey, Austin, do you want to you want to chat about uh, with these guys about some uh, some of the hacks that you're seeing that are using our stuff? Uh, you, you can. Yeah. Hang on one second. Perfect. That's great. So we're gonna hear from Austin from uh, Pixel Camp. Hey, hey how you doing? Good. Good. How are you? We're good. We're good. It looks like a great venue you've got there. I've, oh. I hadn't seen it properly before. Yeah, this was uh, a set of abandoned warehouses that ten years ago the city of Lisbon took over and turned into like this artist market space. There's a lot of street art and uh, really cool like uh, little shop. So very, very cool venue. So Diggs was talking about the Meraki API and, and, and what you can do with it, but he kind of uh, um, uh, said that you'd seen more of the hacks that people have been doing with it. So I wondered if you could like tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think one of my favorites is a combination of uh, the Meraki uh, Connected Mobile Experience CMX API and Tropo, where they've developed uh, an SMS chat game that's uh, geolocation, and there's good bu- good guys and bad guys throughout the venue uh, using the indoor location tracking provided to the Meraki access point. You can see uh, where everybody is. Everybody with a cell phone that has Wi-Fi or any any Wi-Fi connected device, you can see their location. So the uh, the game is good guys and bad guys, and uh, the bad guys plant a bomb. The good guys get notified and have the opportunity to go over to that location and disable it. Um, and all the communication is run through Tropo, and all the location tracking is done through Meraki and CMX. So that's that's been like one of my favorites so far. No, that's quite cute. That's quite cute. Cool. Well, thanks for that. And it's uh, it, it looks like a great venue. It's a shame I didn't make it over there, but you know, one has to work sometimes. <laughs> Excellent. I'll give you back to Dig. Thank you, guys. Right. Thanks, Austin. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, I I forgot about that one. You told me about that a little earlier. Um, but yeah, there's just like I said before, it's like some of the we we haven't seen this the, the capabilities of what these the, the Meraki access points um, uh, can do, and I, I, I've never even owned one um but now i think i'm going to get a few to play with because uh, yeah you obviously need three yes yes at least three <laughs> um i'll see if i can get get them to put the heat map up um on the screen if uh it's kind of white from here actually anyway yeah, yeah. well i, I can probably can you put the heat map up yeah see if i can I don't know. No, we kind okay. of see it right now yeah so say something Diggs, and we'll get your focus back <laughs> I, I hello, hello. Uh, so wow, okay, yeah. So you can see, you know, where the the green dots are, where the access points are, and the other dots are uh, people connected to the network. Um, and you know, the obviously the the red in the middle is where the strongest signal is. And then the, the green on the outside is, uh, you know, where you could probably get signal, but it starts to degrade quickly. That's so, cool. I'd not seen that done before. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, just one aspect of the, uh, of what the, you know, the, the Meraki API or the CMX can do. And you can access all that data through the API. So, you know, cool stuff. One yeah, of the benefits cool. of, uh, of, Working with uh, with with Cisco as we get to play with some other uh, some of the technology that's not part of the telephony world. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm 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 enjoying that myself. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank, thanks for that. I don't know if yeah. anybody else has got like questions. I've kind of monopolized this, but yeah, I, I'm very interested in what you guys are doing tonight, Dick. Where are you um, drinking? So uh, we, the, it's crazy because the hotel that 
um, we're singing at the uh, Sheridan in, in Lisbon, and on the in the lobby is one of the most amazing pianos um, I've ever seen. It's uh, it, it, it's a it's a I don't even know if I could call it a, a grand piano because the design is so futuristic. And uh, so of course the other night we we were down hanging out in the lobby, and, and uh, it was getting to be you know closing time, and and I sort of I walked over and the, the lid was closed, and I kind of gave it a little test because you know sometimes they lock those things down. And uh, and sure enough, uh, I, I, I lifted it open, and then I, I, I walked over to the bartender, and I said, you know, do you mind if I play? And she and she actually said, no, you're not allowed to. And then she winked at me, <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> so I went over and, and played, you know, started playing some uh, some Elton John, and uh, and just then a, a, a group of people who were obviously coming back from some event, um, and there were probably thirty or forty of them, just happened to walk in uh, for like last call, and suddenly I was playing a show. <laughs> and, the, and at the end, uh, you know, she, you know, and then she actually came over and, and, and bought me, and, you know, gave me a free drink, and, and said that I was, uh, I was more entertaining than most of the entertainers that they hired to play there, <laughs> which was, you know, flattering. Um, I hope and then you, I hope you're wearing your Cisco shirt at the time. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> actually, I, I, I ran. I'm wearing my International Space App shirt today uh, because I. I, I, I didn't even plan to be here. I was I was I did a I did a talk at uh, Jeff Pulver's new conference uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's doing a new thing called instead of voice on the net, it's, it's messaging on the net. So it's focusing on um, on all of the new you know Slack and Spark and and chat bots and all of that. And uh, it's, it's interesting to see uh, you know Jeff Pulver who. I'm sure all of you know him from from the Bond days, um, Pulver Order, and he's you know pretty much single-handedly the reason why we're having a free call right now um, and not having to be charged for uh, for voice over IP. Um, and uh, and uh, and then I flew to Orlando for a few days. I was supposed to be heading back to San Francisco, but uh, but this this event came up and they were short-staffed and they asked if I would be willing to come check it out. But um, going back to Jeff's uh, thing, there was some very, really interesting gush. And one of them was um, uh, so they had uh, the the attorney or the guy who's head of uh, the 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 Vaughn I think it's the Vaughn Council basically the group of the uh, telecom uh, and internet folks that have been fighting to keep you know voice over IP free and 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 classified as not a, a telecom thing and uh, and then they had the attorney that represents Twilio hey James. Um, <laughs> the attorney that represents Twilio, um, and Twi you know, I don't know if you guys have been following, but Twilio has been pushing the FCC to classify uh, SMS as uh, as a te telecom under telecom re regulation because they make a lot of their money in uh, in SMS, obviously, and. The telecoms have pretty much arbitrarily will block their message if they think that they're, you know, potentially spammy or, or whatever. Um, but there's no there's no regulations, and so Twilio is pushing to get SMS classified as a telecom service. And uh, Jeff and the Vaughn guys were very vocally against this because they said, well, if SMS is classified that as that, we lose all of the arguments that we've been pushing for voice not to be classified, voiceover IP to be classified. That way so um a very interesting discussion i don't know i'd be interested to, to hear um you guys take on that because it was it was it uh it, it caused uh, quite a stir and um and jeff's going to be doing more of these events i mean this was the first one he did in uh in boston uh, but he has you know he 
jumps back into uh, into the conference world. He's not doing, you know, he still does 140 comp, but uh, I, I kind of encouraged him a couple years back to that. I said, Jeff, you got to get back to your roots. And, and there's a lot of people out there that, that you know, that kind of need, need to have these kinds of discussions because they're, I'm not seeing them happen at at a lot of the, the big events. And uh, so he created a really nice, intimate event he had discussion you know the founders of icq were there um and uh you know a couple you know guy from the fcc was there anyway so um but yeah i think it's an interesting space i mean there's always a lot of push and and shove i mean we we were actually speaking before you joined us we were talking about what regulation was actually necessary in the iot space because the devices are so insecure and are actually a threat to people's privacy and also you know actually in general to the internet that huge ddos is an example of like how dangerous they are if they're insecure and you know you get things like so we were talking about what what level of active regulation should be taking place in that space i mean i don't know whether when that's going to happen or how but but it feels like something has to happen because people are just like doing it too badly at the moment yeah, I mean, it, it. It. I just. It. It was just interesting because, um, you know, if if we if we go down the road that you know, and, and Twilio is you know, obviously a public company now. They, I don't. Their stock keeps going up somehow. Um, I think the last I looked, it was over sixty dollars a share. Um, and there's been a lot of speculation that it's way, way overinflated. Um, but uh, the, uh, you know, they've been really pushing this uh, to get, you know, to get this get SMS qualified as as. Uh, under some regulation that um, so the so the service providers have to follow some certain rules um, but you know if we go down that slippery slope how long until you know we lose Facebook you know video we lose we lose Google Hangouts we lose you know all of the all of the voice over IP services that we've we've come to uh, to rely on and uh, oh, I think that's uh, I think that's, that's a little bit over dramatic we're not going to lose <laughs> them it may may make uh, change the way that they're, they're presented but we're not going to lose them Johnny I mean well, well <laughs> I, I know you I, li- like a little bit of drama but um, um <laughs> But we're, we're certainly not going to lose them, are we? We're, uh, oh, the world yeah. is not going to lose voice over IP, not now. Well, we'd lose voice over IP, but what could it lose free voice over IP? Um, well, I think it's a little bit late to try and um, enforce um, tariffing on voice over IP as well. That's not going to happen. Oh, there, there are still still telcos and governments who would dearly love to um, and would jump at the chance. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's, not, it's just not going to happen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> really? You're down a, you're down a deep, deep, deep well there. Like, like, you know, it's a sort of a Randy down a, a deep tunnel there. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, bought, he's bought himself a new synthesizer or something, hasn't he? That's a decoder, is it? Randy demonstrating what happens to Opus Codec when you go past... Uh, no, it's, it's uh, that I've got like 200K up. Maybe it's even less now. So this is the laptop. Anyway, I'll shut up. <laughs> You'll be okay with turning. You sound fine now. You've turned the video off, actually. Anyway, no, it's because I'm talking on a different computer. And what I said was that all of the carriers are using VoIP are all the ISPs, so it's not going to really disappear. And all of our, I mean, I can call anywhere in the world almost for free now. So who who needs VoIP anyway? But we're using it on the on the ISP. So, anyway, um, I do have to run, guys. I appreciate uh, 
it's good to see all of your faces and, and chat with you. Uh, it's been a while since I've been I've had a chance to join the, the VUC, and I'm glad to see that you uh, still alive and kicking. Yeah, we, and, we, uh, we miss you, Johnny. Get yourself over here to Europe. I, I'm in Europe. Europe. I'm, I'm in Lisbon right now. And if how are you? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Um, you know, I've been watching closely because uh, there's a hurricane that that almost just barreled over my house in Orlando, and um, and now they're 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 predicting that it might actually loop around and hit Florida again. And I'm supposed to fly back to the States on Sunday uh, through Newark. And I'm thinking rather than possibly get trapped in Newark, um, I might stick around and uh, and maybe come up and, and uh, visit you guys up in the, in the, in the island. Yes, in, in, in Brexit land. Hey, D- Diggs, before we let you go, uh, I just want to mention that apparently the idea that I launched with you a couple of years ago for Astrocon for a talent show and music and all that. Yeah, I was very some traction on this. I was very so if I was very disappointed when uh, the year that we had it in Orlando that I was completely prepared and there and not only there a sponsor and could have totally made it, that happen and and yet there's Randy did not appear. No, well, that's because they didn't want to help us. That's right. Uh, yeah, okay. so the, the point is that if this happens again. I have to take my earphones off because I, I'm getting echo because I'm talking to two different systems. Just a quick one though, Diggs. If that opportunity comes up again uh, now. Now, apparently, Danny has even mentioned it, and Astrocon hopefully be on the East Coast this year. So let's uh, try to make that happen because I'm not going to be around that much longer on this planet. I I, I would love that, and would would definitely be uh, you know, one of the things that I've I've learned that uh, Cisco seems to be a hundred percent supportive of, of me performing, and uh, my, it's funny because my other dueling piano player friends call me the least talented, highest paid performer on the planet. Um, but but we actually had we I, I was able to bring uh, one of my buddies to uh, Cisco Live in uh, in uh, Las Vegas and we we did a, a live dueling piano show for happy hour in the in the developer zone every night um, with you know requests and and uh, and he also plays accordion so during the day we stroll around and, and uh, do a roaming accordion shows it was a big hit so uh, I was and it just so happened the first night we were doing it, and I have a great picture of this. Uh, you know, Chuck Robbins, the new CEO of Cisco, happened to be someone was giving him a tour through, you know, through the developer zone, and we were performing. I happened to be in the middle of singing "Bad Bad Leroy Brown," and uh, I just changed instead of Leroy Brown, I said, bad, bad Chuck Robbins, uh, you know, baddest CEO in the whole damn town. And uh, he laughed so hard and thought I was the most brilliant performer that he'd ever seen. So, uh, so and he then, needs and, to get out more. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was like, you know, it, it was just a silly, silly thing. And just, you know, it just so happened that he walked by and it happened to be singing a song about a man with the same number of syllables as his name. <laughs> So, Excellent. anyway, all right, all right, guys. Well, uh, good to see you, and I will, I will make an effort to uh, to join more. Tim, thanks for uh, for poking me to. Uh, to yeah, no, to good, good, really good to see you, and uh, I'll let you get back to doing yeah, some work. And, yeah, and if I don't, uh, if I if, if if it looks like the hurricane is going to keep me from uh, from uh, heading back uh, to the states, I will uh, I will definitely come up and visit you guys. Cool, that'd be great. All right, thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, Dave. And say bye to Austin. Bye, all right, well. Waving now. Right, can we move on to phase three, which is... Engage match. Eh, 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 eh. Oh, you're going to do that, are you?
Well, yeah, of course. Can I Somebody read has you? to set this up. Can I read you what Tim I have, wrote I, on Twitter I, four days ago? I, no, hang on. First, we need to get the betting pool established. <laughs> We're not betting on this. <laughs> I think I think it might be a time-related bet, you know. Well, if I fall asleep before it... No, no, no an implementation time-related bet. No, 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 no. Anyway. So we need the context. The Come context. on, James. Well, well, do you want to... Do that. Well, okay, well, four days ago... Uh, Tim posted on on Twitter. This is insane. Two, uh, this, this is in the context of uh, operators closing down 2G GSM. Um, so Tim said, "This is insane. 2G is perfect for IoT. Long range, good battery life. But no, they have to install the new 5G 5G hotness, letting Sigfox in. Yep. Well, there are a number of things that." immediately got me going as soon as I've, I saw I've got, that. I've got to say that managing to get all of that in one tweet, I'm, I'm actually really pleased with myself. I like, I managed to, to push about eight of James's buttons in a single tweet. And yeah, you certainly did. And what, what really then amused me was that a number of people were actually coming in and kind of semi-backing you up. And I yep. thought, stop, stop, Twitter population. We just need to set the record right about what's happening with 5G. And um, why the mobile network operators are turning off to Yeah. Okay. So, so, so let me just complete. I want to complete my argument because it, it, it was 140 characters, and I, like you can't do justice to an argument. I just want to state my point, which is that at this moment, this device is a um, it's a GSM uh, 2G GPRS modem for IoT. Um, they're uh, six dollars a piece on Alibaba. So for six dollars, I can plug this into my um, my IoT device and I can have intermittent connectivity pretty much anywhere in actually in the world where 2G coverage is pretty extensive so almost anywhere in the world I can get 2G on for five bucks yeah and and that's ideal for something where you're going to you know send 10 bits of data a day so like you know a few hundred K a day um, and maybe you're going to send two commands down a, a day that is that that device and these things right this, so this particular chipset has this lovely attribute that it will sleep you can put the whole thing to sleep and it'll just leaves a tiny corner of it running enough to spot when it gets an incoming sms and then you can then power up the rest of the chipset based on an incoming sms so this thing like, there is nothing the point my point core point was that there is nothing in the four or five g spectrum that is anything like as cheap or efficient as that yet and well, until actually, there is they're crazy there, to shut it down there is there isn't there is six dollars six dollars um, with a That'll run off a lipo for a week. I think not. Run off a lipo for a week. How about running off a lipo for 10 years? How does that grab you? I don't yeah. believe that I can buy it on Alibaba for $6. You can't buy it off Alibaba. Um, there's still uh, development chipsets. However, um, middle of next year, it'll be live everywhere. Not a chance. Um, well, I think there is a chance. Um, so let me tell you about um, what the mobile industry are doing about IoT. Clearly, the mobile industry is very... Very, very focused on IoT. And you will be amazed if they haven't come up with a solution to service. Um, I've seen their solutions to problems, and they're usually hugely overpriced, hugely overcomplicated, and it takes them about 10 years to iterate down to something that actually works. Well, this time, 
um, uh, I think they've actually got it right. So they've um, the three GPP went away and they thought about this and they uh, came up with a a technical solution which uses a similar modulation scheme. So basically an OFDM modulation scheme, but works in a much narrower channel. And they designed it so that it would fit into the same 200 kilohertz wide channel as existing 2G GSM. So the plan effectively is that they're going to knock off the GSM and replace it with um, M-IoT or CAT-M LTE. Um, and CAT-M LTE has some huge advantages. Um, so um, because it's a, it's a chimp, simpler chipset, um, the uh, the target price on lawn is uh, a $5 uh, modem device. And they're going to be selling these for $5. Um, they're, they're making them now. They were demonstrating them last year at Mobile World Congress. Well, so James, I'm, I'm happily I haven't finished yet, but there are other advantages. Uh, you said uh, 2G is perfect for IoT long range. Yep. Well, actually, 2G doesn't have particularly long range, but... 20-something um, miles. Yeah, but the range of radio system is not uh, measured in distance. It's measured in, in path loss and decibels between the transmit and receive aerial, um, as I used to teach my students um, once upon a time. Um, so um, the, the MIOT um, has a radio path capability some 20 dB better than... GSM and 2G. But you say, 20 dB, how can that be possible? Well, the answer is because it's a modern waveform. It's uh, like comparing, as I said earlier, it's like comparing G729 with Open. And 729 is a superbly bad example, James, because it's yeah. it's uh, it, it was patent incumbent. Well, uh, G- GSM is uh, also patent pa- uh, incumbent, and it was it uses a modulation scheme which uh, basically was put together in the mid uh, I think you'll find it isn't patent incumbent anymore. That's the well, point, which is why they're moving away from it, because they're stopping they, anyway, they, their, their monopoly, their ability to anyway, control the monopoly through the patent system is rotting. And that long, is why they're moving away from it. Long range, yes. I can test that, MIT, 20 dB better. And when we move forward to the 5G waveforms, that 20 dB goes out to 30 to 35 dB better. 30 to 35 And, and, and I think all of these lovely toys will be wonderful. And if they ship them this decade, I will buy you two pink drinks, right? <laughs> Like the, 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 the chances, honestly, but the I chances of the three GPP getting off their asses and shipping anything for five dollars this decade is just the Sims will cost that. Like there is no well, okay. way. Let's talk about authentication then. What oh yeah, right, Jamalto. Uh, one, of, one of the problems with 2G is you need a SIM card. But do you know what um, what MIOT is doing? Um, they've got two flavours. There's embedded SIM, yes. uh, and then they, they've got soft SIM. Two, two flavours of carrier lock you've got there, I bet you. Let, James, I, I... Depending on whether you, uh, the thing's going to move around or not, you, you can choose... A, the two. But what that does is, again, it dramatically reduces the complexity and price. You know, I, I have one, only one answer to you, which is exactly what you do to everybody else on this show, which is, show me a demo, James. I don't believe it until you can show me a demo. <laughs> 
Well, I think we might just well, do you're that. Talking, you're talking a good talk there, James. We, we might just do that. Okay, de- 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 deployment options. There are three deployment options defined for uh, MIOT. Uh, you're you're uh, even sounding like 3GPP. The first one. Deployment <laughs> options are defined. I want to see the damn oh, thing. I just shut up and listen, you twerp. Uh, <laughs> so the first deployment option is where you just drop it uh, into um, the existing 200 kilohertz GSM channel. And the chipsets that are around at the moment operate on on those existing GSM channels. So if you think of back a couple of years ago, your state-of-the-art phone was a quad-band GSM phone, and you'll find that the existing chipsets for MIOT operate on exactly the same four bands that um, your quad-band GSM phone of, uh, of about, well, 10 years ago used to work on. So the plan is that you, uh, the mobile network operators can use all their same uh, towers, uh, duplex filters, um, antennas, the whole lot. And a little bit on the end, the little kind of modem board is the only bit that you have to change. And once you've done that, everything becomes Become software definable. So up, upgrading from a 4G LTE waveform to a 5G waveform is, well, almost trivial. I, I think this is a lovely picture you painted. And, and if I hadn't worked with, with telcos before, I would be enthusiastic okay. about it. Well, let's move on a little bit further. Uh, another problem with 2G is the capacity um, that you can, how many endpoints you can hang off a single cell. Uh, there is a finite limit yep. and, and it's around... Uh, it's just over a thousand per cell or sector, something like that. Um, and it's all to do uh, with the way the registration process works. Now, if you look at MIOT, well, the problem with IoT is you're going to have many, many, many more de- devices uh, being served by a single cell. Um, so um, you've got to um, come up with a technical solution that serves many more. And surprise, surprise, MIOT does exactly that. And how many how many endpoints on a single cell, Andy? Who's muted? Um, we, well, it if you work on the basis that uh, each one requires two ports, um, it basically it's about thirty thousand. Yeah, so um, a factor of about um, times thirty more. So, uh, and I, 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 I repeat, I think these are these are wonderful changes. And my 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 point in the tweet was that removing two G now before this thing has happened and before there's any prospect of it actually shipping and leaving a gap which will I promise you be filled by people like Sig Fox and Laura is a mistake the, the, the reason that 2G is being turned off is to turn on the MIOT I, 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 I simply don't believe it James well, I, I, well, I, 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 I'd love it to be true but the chances of, of that switch over being that quick 2G <laughs> is just not spectrally I understand all this. It's kind of crazy. But I tell you, I tell you what will happen. I tell you exactly what will happen. What will happen is that they'll switch off 2G and then there'll be an immeasurable number of communities who will cease to have a phone signal, at which point there'll be a huge amount of pressure to backport LTE or 3G to those places. The 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 frequencies will get used for other things and it won't turn out for IoT. And it will take years. And in that time, and this is the thing that bothers me most, in that time, Sigfox... Laura and a bunch of other people will be cramming in functionality in ISM because there's nowhere else to do it. And that that's just... It, yeah, it, it's, I don't know where you're getting this this message of doom and gloom about turning off 2G. The radio path capability of 4G LTE is 15 to 20 dB, depending on better than, than 2G. So depending on, on, on what mode you're running, um, um, coverage will actually, actually get better. 
have you never so you, the, the, it's never been the case that you've been somewhere where you have a 2g signal and no 4g signal I, I have that all the time i'm regularly find myself in places where i i have a 2g signal but no 4g signal and you're telling me that the radio path for 4g is better so i should always have 4g wherever i am now actually in my experience it's not that the radio path is always better it has to do with carrier coverage lack of overlap yeah you know i may have i may have 4g from at&t but i'm a, T, a t-mobile customer so i get tg 2g grandfathered in yeah and one of the problems that we have is that the 2g antennas tend to be um in the best positions on the tower anyway and so with the you you, you fill in and you put on new antennas and uh they tend to go into slightly worse places the exception to that of course is in uk is ee because they're just refarming the existing 1800 spectrum um which allows them to run in fact they're running um in some instances the 2g and 4g waveforms at the same time on the same radio head and the same antenna which is mm-hmm. which is interesting and by the way coming back to deployment options that's one of the deployment options for um, um, for MIOT uh, again you've got two options there one is where you're very very uh, tight for spectrum um, what you do is you just put the MIOT waveform the 200 kilohertz wide channel right in the middle of the uh, LTE waveform um, the drawback of that is that you you um, you degrade your performance a little bit uh, but you stick within your your um, existing LTE band plan um, I, I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to the moment where I can buy one of these that works just as well as this, um, but is using 4G. And that would be lovely. In UK. That will in be, the UK. And that, I, that will be about Easter time next year. It, it'll be a decade. It'll be, won't hap- it won't happen Tim, this decade, James. Tim, that's total if I get That is total bollocks. Right. It's just untrue. I, I, untrue. I, I, I'm, I'm basing this on my experience of how. Um, yeah, but the move to MIOT is one of the easiest up, upgrades. It doesn't mean they'll actually do it, James. We only have three years left. Three years left in this one. Right. And, and, and there's, there's, there's not a chance it'll happen in three years. And those three years are the three years in which the standards will get established in IoT. So if you guys don't get your fingers out, which you won't because you're telcos, then it'll you'll lose that market. Okay. And, and the, the, reason I care, the reason I care about this is that I really want IP end-to-end. And the problem with Sigfox and Laura is they're not IP end-to-end. Okay. And so well, you're M-I-O-T. blowing my chance at IP end-to-end by, M- by pressing about like this. MIOT supports both um, IP and non-IP based small data over the network. And when we say IP, it's both just for you and Uli. Um, it's both v4 and v6 of course it is, course it is. excellent I, I mean i'm i am very much looking forward to this but i um, I, um, I, stand, I think standard that... interfaces let me go again i'll tell you a little bit more about these, these these standard devices and so they come up with a standard specification for the thing so that every chinese manufacturer can churn these out in huge quantities so the interfaces on there um a standard there'll be a, a uart a serial peripheral interface that's the four wire thing a couple of gpios general purpose ios um and then a ddc for the uh, gnss that's the global navigation satellite so uh, they're, lo- they're location aware as well that's exactly 
exactly what these have already for five dollars. So from the point of view of the end user, the only thing you've told me is that there may be a mode which allows me to buy one of these for the same amount of money um, in three years' time, which doesn't need a SIM. That's the only benefit for me. All of the benefits you've come okay, out well, 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 you with so far are entirely to the benefit of the okay, telco. There's no benefit hit for you me. with another benefit. Let's talk about power, shall we? Power consumption. You yeah. you can operate that on LiPo battery for how many days? Well, I don't know. My Nokia, my Nokia phone seems to last about a week on 2G. So I'm basing it on that. Okay. And the state of the art 2G uh, Nokia handsets now will work for about 30 days. All right. Well, let's take with, it. With okay. Um, but the uh, the design uh, of um, of the MIOT devices is to operate for 10 years with uh, a 2000 milliamp hour uh, lithium battery. And, uh, and the form factor of that, and I, I, if I had been a little bit more prepared, I was going to knock up a little slideshow with pictures so I could show you these things because they do exist. Um, an example of that is a, is a pet collar that you put around the, the collar of your dog and it allows you to track the movement of the of the pet um, and it has a battery life of 10 years. Uh, James, I, I, I admire your ability to stay optimistic in in, in the face of repeated, um, let's say, tardiness in, in terms of the of, of, of our friends in the 3GPP. I, I've heard this this these these wondrous stories of how fantastic things will be in the future before and to be fair they often turn out but they usually turn out about 10 years after they said they were. okay i'll tell you what, let, like lte how long did it take now lte has been a quick deployment by their terms uh let's I'll tell you what we can do let's set a date in the uh, in the diary for one year's well, you time you said a year's time didn't you a, a year's time um, and we'll come back to this one in a year's time and we'll examine what has happened in 12 months right so the test is whether i have on my desk a five dollar thing that will will do IP. A five dollar thing that'll do IP. Yes. I don't and, and if it uses 4G, that's great. I shall return. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, well, that's well, the, well, well, that's well, the point. Okay. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll set a date for years and we'll come back to this one. We will examine it again. But I'm, I'm telling you, the, the, these things are coming and the, the network operators are saying this is going to be the easiest network update we've ever, ever done. And I wish them joy of it. I just have hugely And in fact, in the stakes are extremely high. If they blow it, then they will lose that market for good. Um, you can already buy these devices. Uh, and again, if I was really, um, organized. If you go to ovphone.cn, that's O-V-I-P-H-O-N-E dot C-N. It's a Chinese watch manufacturer. Um, and they make um, little smart watches and the latest iteration, they, they've just made a batch for Disney, which is um, an MIOT capable smartwatch, which allows uh, kids that uh, are running around in Disney Disneyland to be tracked. And they and what they can you, and they can use their smartwatches. Give me the URI again. Oh. I, I think it's uh, well. If you search for it, you should be able to find it. It's O V I P H O N E is the is the brand name. O V phone. Um, it, and I o- mean movie phone. No. No. O V I P 
P-H-O-N-E. Uh, and the um, marketing and sales director of, of OV Phone was presenting at uh, Mobile World Congress um, last year and actually demonstrating these bits of kit. Um, did he bring his own tower with him, though? Well, stop. Just behave yourself. No, I'm, I'm serious. Where, where did you run this 4G thing against? Um, against so I see some Bluetooth watches. Yeah. Did, did we define or did you actually define this MS, missing in action, all these acronyms, by the way? Because I'm, I'm not familiar with any of that. Uh, M. What is the main thing we're talking about here, please? M- so, I, we're talking about MIOT or, yeah. or to use the 3GPP. Missing part. IoT. It's category M. So, so the idea is... is so here's, here's the, the, the target is if I take this sculpture, right, and I want to put it in a sculpture park in, in somewhere and I want to be able to connect to it and check that it's working, how much do I have to spend to be able to put in a low bandwidth IP connection to it in the middle of, you know, somewhere with, with coverage? And the current cheapest solution is this, which is $5. Well, in quantity, it's $5. This one cost me a bit more. But I, you get these, you plug them into your Raspberry Pi, you put a SIM in it, and you have an IP connection. Yeah, uh, in fact, I'd like to challenge Tim. Tim, can you drop a link uh, on uh, AliExpress where you can actually buy these things for $5? I just did. I did, did I did in the tweet. Did you? Yeah, in the tweet chain, I, I'm... I'm I mentioned it. If you, if you Google Sim 800 on Alibaba. Okay. All right. Something else um, which I want, need to pack wait, in. Wait, wait. One last is, thing. One last, one last question well, on that. Uh, if this is a SIM card or an eSIM? What? Uh, no. So it's a thing that you can... It's uh, a GSM modem into which you have to put a SIM to make it work. So imagine, Randy, let, let's, let's step back a bit. Imagine you have a Raspberry Pi or some equivalent device and it's in the back of some, you know, it's in the back of your Coke machine or your 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 sculpture or, or whatever, and you need to periodically connect to it over the internet. How much does that cost, that device cost, and, and how how does it communicate over the internet? And currently, most of those devices use the 2G spectrum because they don't need a huge amount of bandwidth, and the 2G coverage is pretty good. So what what I what triggered this was the announcement that Vodafone, I think Australia, were proposing to switch off 2G next year. And I said that I thought this was insane because all of those Coke machines and anyone who's building something now has no option but to go to a non-carrier platform in order to be able to communicate with them. Um, because like the carriers don't have an option, have, have anything I can use at the moment. And they told me that the one thing that does work, they're going to switch off. So like I'm, I'm, I'm left without a choice but to go to an organization like Sigfox or, or, or one of the other non-carrier people who are using other communication channels, the other radio channel frequencies to do this. And I'm just saying that I think the carriers are shooting themselves in the foot by announcing a switch-off date without having equivalent press and equivalent conviction of a replacement being available, which they just isn't, and they won't be. Um, James is confident that this time next year they will be, but I bet you okay. that by the time they switch off, there will not be a replacement. Um, commercial deployment, quarter one, 2017, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten operators here. I'll very quickly list them. China Mobile, China Unicom, Etisalat, uh, LG U+, which is Korean operator, Telefonica, T-Mobile, Germany, uh, Korea Telecom, K in Korea, uh, KDDI in Japan, Verizon in US, and Vodafone in UK. All of those operators are rolling out uh, MIOT uh, quarter one, so directly after Christmas, so January 2017. And, and I believe that when I see it. <laughs> 
Well, we'll come back in a year's time. And we'll no, be- but we can come back in quarter one at the end. Uh, March- <laughs> 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 okay. Huh? March 30th. Um, uh, another thing that um, um, we should be able to do in UK, hopefully, Tim, is you should be able to deploy your own MIOT um, infrastructure. <laughs> what a wonderful idea. I, I, I'd love to, James. I don't believe you. Um, well, um, if you uh, check the Ofcom website, you'll find that there are two things going on. Uh, one is um, there are moves afoot to make portions of the um, 800 megahertz spectrum. That's the EU digital um, dividend band, um, a.k.a. UMTS band 20. Um EUDD band, that um, parts of that are going to go to licensed shared access. Okay. So anybody who wants Spectrum be able to bid for it, just like just like uh, bidding for a, a, a lease on, um, on IP addresses using DHCP. And then in addition to that, the, um, the deck guard band Spectrum, the top end of 1800, is also coming up for review again. And that is ideally, um, absolutely ideal for low power small cell miotu and, and I, I i think this would be absolutely wonderful um i would would dearly love all of these things to come true i'm just much more cynical than you and i fear that this won't happen in in there will be a a, a long hiatus in which there is nothing suitable for iot and, you see, and listening I, listening into all of this it's really obvious that you have faith in technology james and you lack faith in the carriers and the players involved him and these are not mutually exclusive points of view Uh, but you know what i work for a carrier and guess what we're doing so things like low-cost authentication uh on um nfv based hss that sort of thing together with soft sim who's doing that right at the moment let me think about that i mean i know that all these things are possible we're selling them today Uh, i uh, is that carrier anomalous? Uh, some, Does some that carrier have any towers near me? Um, well, the whole point of this, Tim, is you put in your own. Well, it's not a tower. But I'm not allowed to yet. But you... right, so there's a gap. Now, my point, the key point in this is that in the interst- in the in the in the gap between announcing a switch off and having a replacement available, in the to my mind, that's a three year gap. In your well, mind, it's, it's not a, year. a three year. Well, no, no, it's rubbish. a year. At, even at minimum, James, it's a year because. You They've announced they're going to switch off now, but they haven't announced a a comprehensive replacement that we can start using. So there's a year in which Sigfox and the other people are just going to make it. It's not going to be a year gap, is it? But it it is. I mean, at minimum, it's going to be a year. There are no... I can't order this stuff on Alibaba. The the, the 2G... Uh, transmitters are not going to just turn off and stay off. They're just going to change their waveform. That's the whole point, Tim. You're but not going to turn I off. I can that. connect. Like, they've, they've done the, the usual thing that, that technology companies who aren't paying attention to marketing do, which is they announce the replacement before they have well, it. Well, just wait. I, gu- I guarantee that after Christmas. And that's, that's how um, more technology companies have the, gone broke than ever. Like, if you announce after, a replacement. Yeah, after Christmas, uh, the old MIOT. Um, marketing machine will move into action. I, I, I'm deeply the, looking forward the, to it. The trials are complete. They work. The, the kit works. <laughs> And and, and and that's never had anything to do with where the carriers ship it. And it's not. not complex stuff. I mean, going to class one, two, three LTE, that is quite 
complex because you've got these multiple modes of operation. But but this is going backwards. It's simplifying things. Um, and and class M is you know, easy by comparison. I'm, it's easy. I'm I'm well. If you look at um, yeah, I I. I would would love this to be happening right now, but I am but anyway, deeply, deeply co- Going to the end of this, um, your your original statement of 2G is perfect for IoT, long range, well, it's not long range. Good battery life, it's not good battery life. Um, and, um, yeah. IoT is just, yeah, 100 times better. Of all of the technologies currently available, those things are true. Now, if you, if you, if you believe in your crystal ball and you, you're comfortable that these people will deliver the things they say they will deliver on time then you're right there are better will in the future be better alternatives but they're not here yet and in the interim you're going to get comprehensively shafted well and i will suffer well, because well, i won't get my pn2 in you're, you're not going to suffer yeah 2g is not going to be turned off in uk for some little time yet and you'll find that that some operators will um um be a little bit slow vodafone have actually put an awful lot of time and effort into being the leading miot operator in in UK. And the reason for that is they've kind of lost the LTE race, um, I mean the uh, the high speed race to the other operators. They've got to do something to, to establish themselves in a in a kind of strong position. So M- Bizarrely, I'm actually in a you know my particular space, uh Vodafone is the best LTE provider. Well you should be well served then for MIOT then. I'm hoping so. But I hope it's springs eternal and all that. Yeah. Well, I think your defence is based upon just being sceptical. Uh, no, it's based on what is physically present now. It might also be based on what has happened in the past and the times that it's taken to implement these technologies. Well, to admit. this technology does exist. You can buy the chipsets today. Um, uh, in fact, the, the most... Uh, you can buy the chipset today and let's look back at other technologies and how long it's taken for the stuff to become completely available from the day you could buy the chipset that would yeah be in, in fact the, the most common one is is something it's, it's made by the a company called the U-Blox, U-B-L-O-X. It's a SARA-N203 um, CAT MB1 module supporting 850, 900, and 800 EU digital dividend bands, embedded SIM, IPv4, IPv6, uh, operating parameters, uh, 227 kilobit per second download speed, 21 kilobit per second upload, uh, IP and non-IP based small data over network uh, with all those standard... Um, uh, and how much does it cost me? Um, can I have much? Can I... Can I, can I I buy one i think you probably can but i don't know what the price is because <laughs> i did i didn't look that up I'm just <laughs> um so pre-order so, now it says so i can't buy them well they are available because there are lots of people building things with them it says pre-order now oh and something else you can do with them this is this is very interesting something you can't do with gsm is uh you can do uh, a very effective multicast as well so you can push out the same signal to multiple end devices all at the same time now that's quite useful isn't it i'm looking at the i'm sorry the, the diagram is sideways so I have to turn my head to try and understand it. Anyway, so I think the future is bright for IoT. Um, the, the future looks, it, 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 there, there are a lot of nice things in this. I just don't have any yet. 10-year battery life, Tim. 10 years. I, I, I think it's great. I love all this. I just don't believe that they will get shipped in the time. So 
here's the, I mean, coming back to my prognostication, which is that if it, if they do what they normally do and they slip by three or four years, then in that time, they will have lost a huge chunk of market. So what are the alternatives? Which they won't and, get and, back. And don't say Sigfox. The problem with Sigfox and uh, Laura, the LoRaWAN stuff is um, that it operates in this tiny, tiny little narrow band, um, license-free. Um, I'm, 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 I'm with you, James. But what will happen is that those guys will they will build up to the point where it's congested, and then they'll go to Ofcom and say, "Oh, by the way, this is congested. Can we have another slice of bandwidth?" And Ofcom is going to have to say, "Well, yeah, we've got." Well, and the answer will be yes. You can operate in the license-shared access uh, EU uh, digital dividend band, and they'll do that, and then your guys will. will who are charging still probably charging by the kilobyte um will get but, completely shafted but you have to completely shafted yes well because you're the the sigfox people will have established a price floor of what people expect in the market a eh, and you won't be able to meet it uh, and and they will be using the same spectrum that you are with cheaper devices well, um, got an established market presence. I'm not sure that you'll be able to use uh, LoRaWAN or Sigfox in the EU digital dividend band. Actually, I think um, you'll be constrained on the waveforms that you can actually put in there. I, I, I honestly, I mean, you know, uh, my what I would really like would be. That if they, you know, they didn't switch off 2G until they actually had a replacement that was usable. And I don't, my fear is that they will, there will be a gap between the two. Now, what you're telling me is that I'm wrong and there will be no gap and there will be perfectly good devices I will be able to buy cheaply and quickly, you know, from the middle of next year. And if that turns out to be true and and before they switch off 2G, well, you know, then what? that would be great. But I, I'm... Deeply, well, deeply skeptical. Well, there's still L, uh, still LTE and um, and three um, G devices. Even though three G is going to go away as well, because uh, if you compare the uh, the performance of three G next to LTE, I mean, it's it's just stunningly inefficient. So. Well, yes, and, and I mean, I've never met a low power. 3G device. Yeah, and they're going to go away. And, and and the cost of these devices is going to be um, tiny. Uh, witness the fact I bought half a dozen of these EE Rook Android handsets from uh, from Argos, all places, for £19.99 apiece. These are Android 4.4 handsets. They're 4G capable, uh, GPS, two cameras, battery display. There's uh, a huge carrier subsidy in that. That's absolutely fascinating. So let's get to the final subject, which we have five minutes to discuss. The expensiveness of the uh, new Google hardware and the fact that James bought a bunch of Apple stuff when he was in the States. Let's hear it. How do you justify buying that watch, first of all? I would very well, be... Well, this one is going to talk to me. It's not going to talk to me. Now. Yeah, Dolphin. skip the demo. Um, how do I justify? Uh, why did you do this? Why, why, why? Why, oh, why? I can't. T- there is a very uh, is an extremely good reason why I have this particular handset, which is a US spec mm-hmm. iPhone Seven Plus. To do with carrier frequencies. I mean, to do with frequencies. It's not to do with frequencies. It's to do with something that's in the phone that they haven't admitted to. Oh, really. Uh, and I can say no more than that. At That's um, so I had to have one of these. And whilst I was over there, I mean, it seemed churlish not to get one of these as well. And to be perfectly honest, I have been totally blown away with the functionality in the Apple Watch. It does. Most so- of the people who bought those things are very disappointed in them, saying that they're absolutely not worth the price and that they don't wear them anymore. And I'm serious. Well, it's funny. Different people have different views. But my personal view... Early days, James. Early my, my, days. my personal view is uh, already after about a week and a half I'm thinking how did I ever manage without this 
And you know what? I was very, very skeptical about the Apple Watch when I first started off. It's just like the iPad. When the iPad first came out, I thought, I can't think of a use for, for that bit of kit. But today, I never go anywhere without this device because it's just... Well, James, besides giving you your, the time, what does the Apple Watch bring? So many things. It's it's a complete body-worn communications terminal with authentication um, and alerting. Um, um, it, it has its own comms. Normally, it's it has a very rich communications capability. Normally, it's paired with this device, which does the long-range shouting. If this runs out of battery or just moves out of range, out of uh, low-power B- uh, Bluetooth, BLE4, then the watch leaps on to Wi-Fi and operates independently of that. So it runs its own uh, Wi-Fi backhaul. I have to say that does whack the battery a bit. but uh... And if you're in range of Wi-Fi, you're at home, probably. Um, yeah, but th- but there could be a number of scenarios where where perhaps this thing just runs out of battery, and if that runs out of battery, do you want your complete commu- communication suite of communications to be totally dead? Do you want to be uh, a black hole? So you can do a, what a video call, an audio call on the watch with no phone? Uh, I can do a voice call on it. Yes, uh, other things I can do, um, and, and this is all just tiny little um, um, gimmicky type stuff. I can remote control the camera on my on my iPhone. So, yeah. Well, my $180 uh, Android watch does all of those things, as far as I know. Maybe not VoIP calls, but everything else. It doesn't even do Wi-Fi because it's an old first gen. Uh, how, how about Siri? Siri on the watch. Oh, God. You really... <laughs> so I can do things like um, um, call home, for example, and hold on. And you called uh, me listen, a listen, fanboy. Listen to, listen, listen to this. God. Here we go. It's going it's call, to... It's calling home. Well, it's because it's calling my mobile, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, listen, my watch is now ringing. And, and look, hang on. Your watch is and, and here's my home phone. It, it called uh, itself. That's and artificial intelligence, is called. Hello. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 How do you talk to your watch through your watch? And I, I, I've answered my own call. So, All right, James, I've, got, let's I've cut, got my own voice James, coming out of my James, watch. James, James, let's cut to the chase. Did you buy Sophie one of these so that you can watch your heartbeats? Because that's probably the only real practical thing you could do. No, rather bizarrely, I got awarded a prize. I got given uh, another, on my other wrist, I've got this um, Fitbit. Yeah. Got charge yeah. HR, top of the range Fitbit. And I've got another one. So Sophie's going to have a charge HR. Um, and then if she's very, very lucky, she might get an Apple Watch Christmas. And then you can send each other hearts and emoticons. Well. That will be the main use. No, it's even worse than that. She, she's going to be watching my exercise regime and... <laughs> I'm, I'm monitoring my food good. intake. That would be good. She's going to be vibrating my my, my wrist every uh, ten minutes to tell me that I need to get up and walk around a bit. As long as it's just your wrist, that. she's vibrating. It's okay. Uh, well, exactly. She's going to be able to monitor my heartbeat, and so she she'll be <laughs> when I'm getting <laughs> oh, excited. There are so many pranks we can pull now. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. <laughs> there we there there are so many opportunities to punking you now, James. So I'm looking forward. You're to going to be eventually. trying to call me on my what is it bad enough? No. We, we have another device. No, we will. We have another device ringing. We're yeah, going to have Sophie interrogating you as to why your heartbeat leapt in the middle of the day. Yeah. When we send you pictures of, you know, other redheads. Better than that, when I have a heart attack, the phone will tell Sophie that I'm having a heart attack. Great. Yeah, that's that's really useful. 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 You sold it for me now. Yeah. um, Uh, And when I do have a heart attack, all I have to do is press and hold that button there for for, for three seconds. And it it just calls the cavalry emergency. So um, just just very briefly on on the the, the Pixel phone, um, since we said we'd talk about it, um, very, very briefly. 
beautifully. It looks like quite a nice phone. Um, it looks like it's twice the price of the Nexus 5X. Exactly. It costs about the same as an iPhone. So, uh, it, And it is definitely Google. Have, they've seen the, the kind of markup that, that Apple can make on a um, on a vertically integrated software, hardware, and distribution stack. And, and they've decided that they want some of that. And so that appears to be what's happening. Um, and they are actually, I mean, one of the interesting things is that they are, um, that phone gets a version of the Assistant and uh, a couple of other things before the other phones. So they are preferentially treating their own hardware um, above that of, say, Samsung or LG, which is interesting. Um, There's been rumblings that it's a slightly different version of Android as well. So um, they're very much starting to go down the Apple quasi-proprietary tree because they think they can make much more money at it, presumably. Do we, do we know anything about the demand? Uh, these things are not in stores yet, are they? Are they can you buy one? Actually, uh, David David has ordered one. Uh, he ordered one the day they were announced and uh, was told delivery in three weeks, but the official launch isn't until the 4th of November or something like that. Okay, well, that's not too far away. There's a little bit of see... confusion as to from where, though, because there's a lot of talk about uh, from Verizon, but in fact, uh, they're not unique to Verizon. No, Carphone Warehouse in the UK have been taken orders um on a slightly different side i read a, an article which estimated the bomb cost of the bill of materials cost or the build cost for, the, for, for these things the, the the standard one to be somewhere in the order of between 120 130 dollars so somebody somewhere is aiming to make a lot of lot of wonga on this well the uh, all it, of the I, all of the apple, apple products are very low shockingly low too compared i mean these, yeah. these figures um these figures you know don't take into account a certain number of things but sure there's a huge, no, huge I mean, apple's margin on the iphone was is what 40 percent or something it's huge no yeah. no about 400 percent. no no it's not that high well the b no the bom costs that were the first the very early i don't know how they're doing now but the very early iphones it was the same thing i heard that the bom cost was like 150 200 euros or whatever so you know that's and they were selling for six seven hundred the first one i don't know yeah, you know, so the I one mean, where there would never be any apps <laughs> there's, there's a, there, yeah right well they weren't supposed to be um but yeah, no, so I think it's an interesting move more for what it says about Google's aspirations than for the phone itself. Um, there was a delicious moment in the demo where um, one of the guys, if you watch the video, one of the people in the front row has to get up and walk out because whenever the speaker said, Hell, uh, okay, Google, his uh, his phone went off and started trying to do the thing that, that the speaker was talking about. So he actually left. Um, oh, well, and this is actually a problem with Amazon's Alexa too. It, it is constantly misfiring in our house. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, Andy, Andy, have you got your uh, your Amazon Echo there by any chance? Yes, it's in the other room. I could move it, I suppose, if you yeah, want to play well, with it. Well, I just wanted to have a go with it, see whether we can make it do outrageous things. So I watched um, I watched a talk by somebody who was integrating, doing an interesting hack between um, Alexa and something else, and she tried to give a demo. But while she was describing what her demo was going to do, Alexa kept on firing off and basically doing completely random things while she was saying, well, you know, so this is an Alexa thing that um, is integrated yeah. into da-da-da. And then the next thing that was Alexa, was trying to integrate something into something else and it's like you know do you want to buy a hundred thousand dishwashers like well no actually that wasn't what we had in mind at all integrate in, uh, dishwashers you know whatever <laughs> it in, sounds in like the latest iot podcast from that uh, stacy higginbottom and company have done one of the things they've decided they had to do in order to do that podcast is come up with uh, a, a term they're going to refer to alexa or siri or whatever as she who cannot be named <laughs> 
exactly. I would like to announce a piece of news before we quit and go to the mature audiences only. This should probably be in the mature audiences only, but I see that if you go to ballotboxing2016.com, there is a WebRTC app that will allow you to control Clinton and Trump boxing robots. Great use for WebRTC, I think. Yeah, probably the yeah, best. Great. Ballotboxing2016.com. Let's hear some final statements, uh, people, because... Uh, I'm hungry. Yeah, that's a good one. You got to look at my recipe suggestions, Tim. I made that uh, vegan thing tonight, and it looks like it's really going to be good. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you when you've eaten it. Wire. Yeah. Uh, I tasted it. It's very good. Uh, Andy, any final uh, conclusions? Um, I, d- I don't know, really. I mean, to me, the uh, the, the whole of this... I, d- I don't know what I'm concluding. Sorry, I was away with... Uh, Alexa. Uh, any? No, no, anything. The whole thing about, about taking some responsibility for your local network and your your own network, I think, is important. And education on, on, on this and the sort of things that can go wrong will change people's view of what they should do. Absolutely. Be doing. We're just, yeah, and, and that leads on to my, my little bit here. We're just about to, to reach this stage where uh, individuals and groups of individuals can run their own network infrastructure. Up until now, the only people who've been able to do, do that have been the big mobile network operators. Uh, <laughs> And, and 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 what do you mean? And me? What? No, you can't. And, and, and don't you come up with uh, the island state of Nui? Because is it working? Well, it oh, is. Wow. It's working in exactly the way they wanted it to. Which it, is kind of funny. In exactly the same way as uh, as your GSM worked in at Burning Man. Um, yes, actually, in exactly the same way. <laughs> anyway, because what happened is, in both cases, uh, the, the operators decided that they needed to get in there and deliver something, um, which was it turned out which is what the guys in Newey wanted to happen anyway. Turned out to be a result anyway because what the, what the guys in Newey actually wanted was this coverage, wasn't it? Yes, and, and, and the fact that we, we did that and the same thing happened in Burning Man that the, the, the Comnet have actually now wheel in a really big um, cell so that it does pretty much work and so so it's it it is the like we've we've functioned as the um as the grain of sand in the oyster you know yeah but i i i really do think that this kind of citizens uh cellular infrastructure concept is going to be one of the things that will become quite exciting over the next couple of years Uh, i i hope i so hope that it does change i would love it to i just my experience with the telcos so to date has been always that they promise you these lovely things and then somehow they're not quite that useful because there's a sudden, you know, but the whole thousand point, dollar the whole fine point for switching it on. Is it's it's not about the telcos. It's about people like you and me. Uh, but then again, I am a telco. So that's, I, I'm, yeah, that's tricky, isn't it? That's I, 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 I hear what you're saying and I, I would dearly love that to be the case, but I'm sceptical that it will be. Yeah. And I ha- it hadn't really kind of hit me how easy uh, putting cellular infrastructure out is until almost by accident I ended up in Chicago addressing the TAPA, the Tucson Amateur Packet Radio DCC. So uh, amateur radios in, in America, uh, operators in America. And uh, that I then realized that they're sitting on all the component parts that you need to uh, to run a mobile infrastructure, with one exception, and that's SIM card. I think we can fix that. Um, and that yeah. will be the throttling point. Yes. Well, it may be this week, but I think I can do something to uh, assist in that, and possibly make a little bit of money out of it at the same time. Excellent. Well, listen, I'm I'm hungry. Um, yeah, all, the, all that all that arguing and defending of two G must must have made you really <laughs> angry. <laughs> defending of something. You, that exists, yes. 
take we'll, care. Be we'll be determining the winner in at the, on March thirty first, uh, twenty seventeen. Meantime, uh, I've used up. What do you almost, mean March the thirty first? You said one year, didn't we? No, 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 no. One quarter. You said they were going to be ready, rolling it out in Q one. So we'll see at uh, April first, April Fool's Day. Uh, I have used. <laughs> oh, I no, have, no, you're changing, changing parameters I, on me. I have oh, I'm used. I'm not happy with that. We have recording, James. I have used up four gigabytes LTE data out of my 50 for the month. Of course, I don't know what day. Looks like I'm kind of in the middle of the month, so we're good. We're worth uh, every penny of it. I would, Yeah, I agree, and I would like... We've gone almost two hours here, so I just wanted to mention that Jamie King of SteelThisShow.com will be with us next week, I hope, uh, because I don't have a 100% confirmation, but he was supposed to be good. He travels a lot. Uh, so he'll, he'll, he'll be there on his 2G GSM modem. Right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and uh, it's going to be an interesting show if he uh, deigns to do it, because he talks. we talk about BitTorrent. Listen, listen to his show, stealthisshow.com, because uh, he talks about BitTorrent and P2P, and it's a very interesting topic, and he's very well-informed, so I'm looking forward to that. Meantime, this is the VUC. You know that we're at VUC.me, and there's going to be a whole recorded announcement after this, so why do I bother? Oh, Thank incidentally. You, yeah, go, Mike. One last thing. We have uh, Yanomi. Uh, they haven't committed to a date yet, but it's an IoT-ish kind of thing. They are uh, an Android and iOS app that is sort of the logical extension of if uh, and this is better. I know this is the continuation of I know you and you know you me. Know me. How do, how do you spell One that? thing I can tell you, yeah. How do you spell I know you know me? Y o n o m i dot i o is the URL. They're a relatively young company, um, and they have replaced Ift around here for doing things where you want to say um, Alexa, please do this but then invoke a function that involves doing something with a bunch of conditional constructs involved. Look, look, and Andy's thing just lit up. It, it said it can't understand you, Mark. Alexa, for the machine gun. <laughs> so, Thank you, everybody. What is playing? Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our host at PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.